Hello everyone, welcome to today's episode of the Paul Smith Podcast. Today we have Mark Scano. Should I call you Scano or Scanlon? Whatever you want, mate. I'll call you Scano. Um, in the studio to have a little chat. How are you, Mark? Oh, good, thank you. Good, thank you for coming down. Uh, for those who don't know, Mark is, I'm going to say, ex-fighter. Ex-fighter, am I right yeah. there? Yeah, yeah Ex-fighter, yeah. current philanthropist, I'm going to use the word. I don't know what the, I don't know what I am, to be honest. <laughs> it's just a good guy. Yeah, just I get a good a, guy. Been stopped by the police once or twice. They've been like, "What you do?" I'm like, uh, "Say philanthropist." Yeah, I don't know where to, where to start <laughs> these days, but yeah, I'm a nice person. Yeah, not pretty. Um, much. We met. We met. Our lives have bumped. It, our lives have crossed a couple of times. Yeah, without knowing. Without knowing, Andy, because we used to be. Uh, I used to live next door to your uncle yeah. and you for for a little bit. Um, so yeah, it was we, we, and then we met you the month in Paul Kelly's, that was it, yeah, Paul Kelly's cafe, yeah. um, healthy box, and then yeah, I just started coming to awake tonight, yeah, and then we just got and chatting. The rest of history, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, we had a little, we had a good chat, didn't we? Yeah, yeah, you, you're a. How do I say it? I wanted to bring you on because I, I feel like you're a. Without bigging you up too much at the start and making you uncomfortable, mm. I feel like you're an inspirational guy. You've got yeah, this like good big, energy yeah. about you. It's a big compliment. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. So. You know, yeah, because I was in a bit. Of, I wasn't in a bad space, but like I was a bit feeling a bit confused about stuff at the time. And you mm-hmm. just like you have a way of putting things in a relatable, in a relatable yeah, you know, way. Speaking about comedy, maybe yeah. Over like I don't know whether you just maybe a little bit. Doesn't matter what you do. Sometimes you can get stuck in a bit of a rut, can't you? No question. Why? Why am I doing it? Or but I think I kind of said here at the minute, people need you more than ever. You yeah. Know? You actually spoke to me because I study a lot of like, uh, obviously uh, self-development's me, me big passion, but part of that's like a lot of brain science, like neurology and mm. psychology and stuff. And like, I think a lot of like, I speak to John Mayer, he's obviously my mate as well. Yeah. And I said to him, right now, people need to laugh. Yeah. So I was like, what you do without realising it, you're actually fucking helping people a lot more than you probably understand you are just through making them laugh yeah you know, step up let's let's get people smiling and get people happy and that that because at the time people. i was like oh, am i being a selfish cunt yeah yeah <laughs> definitely not yeah yeah I mean. maybe not maybe not i do yeah. get a lot of messages from people saying like but it was one of them and it's hard to that kind of humility in yourself yeah sometimes. no matter what you like it just becomes normal to you doesn't it mm. it's, the, it's a job for you you know whether you love it or you don't yeah, you know it's your occupation, isn't it? How you earn money, and obviously it's fucking it's your life, isn't it? Yeah. So, so what's taking you down this path of like self development? Is just um, well, I was fighting and competing, and that like in a mad way, that's kind of self development because you're always working in yourself in terms of you're trying to get fitter, stronger. Um, but I think when I was competing, what I didn't understand, like you mentioned Lee Chaddock before, mm. and I bumped into him in the gym. We were having a conversation over this yesterday. I didn't really understand. How your mind works. So I understood obviously you've got to be fit and strong and all the physical side of fighting, you know, even you've got to be talented to a certain to a certain point. But I didn't understand to like I didn't have the knowledge basically what I've got now on how your mind worked and how important it was, not just in fighting and in anything what you do. So I am um, coming to the end of my fighting career. I met a guy who I've mentioned on a previous podcast, Brian McCready, his name is. Yeah. And it was just like the same as me and you. Started having a conversation and within like 30, 30 minutes, I was like blown away by the information what he passed on to me. And 
a lot of things started to make sense. I went on to explore things like, you know, bits of psychology, uh, bits of neurology, energy science and stuff like that. And it just led me down a path of self-development really. But like you could say, I never used to be spiritual or I'm, I'm not religious, but like I started studying science, basically of how your mind works, how your brain works. And like even, I'm, st I'm st still learning every single day. I spend an hour, I'd say at least studying pretty much every day. Mm. And I'm still learning new things all the time. Learning things which I've actually forgot that I've learned in, in some way similar to martial arts. Where yeah. like there be techniques and stuff what you're learning. As time goes on you learn new things and then you relearn the same things again. So it's like, you know, just through meeting and having a conversation with Brian over certain things. I start to understand and and realise more how, you know, how powerful your mind was. How much it doesn't, doesn't matter what you do. How much of a big part of, you know, if you want to earn money in your family life. They see everything starting there. Yeah. And that's like, you know, the reason why I've opened the wake now and I'm volunteering and doing like mentor stuff and, and things with kids in schools yeah. because obviously the younger you can you can get the kids and speak to them and try and, you know, teach them to implement these different things and understand how their mind works, like awareness of their own thoughts and stuff like that. Then it's like it's a massive gift to give to the kids. It's yeah. you know it's information that I've learned at a, a later point in my life that you know, my life's amazing, but if I'd have learned it when I was a kid, you know, I'm, I'm not saying everything works out the way it's yeah. supposed to, but yeah, I know what you mean. That, that for me, that information, what I've got now, which has worked for me over the last 10 years, the, the greatest thing I can do is share that with other kids and specifically yeah. kids who maybe have had a hard upbringing and, you know, their environment hasn't been too good growing up. So yeah. that's one thing I, I, I love. I, I'm start, I, I keep saying I've turned into a hippie this year, and I, I, I say it, I say it jokingly, but I have, a, I, I'm, I've become a lot more spiritual. I've, I've had a lot of, I've met a, a lot, of, I, I've crossed paths with a lot of good people, um, just, just through chance or circumstance or frequency or whatever you want to call it, yeah. whatever, whatever, however you want to put it, it's happened this year, and I, <laughs> I've come, I've come into contact with some good people, um, and going to awake. What the one thing that I love about the awake the most, I think, is. The, the energy in there is, I'm a big fan of atmosphere and energy. I love, like, I'm fascinated by it just from doing what I do. The fact that I can't really see who I'm talking to, but I can feel them at all times. Mm. I can, I, I've got control of them, so I can feel, I'm, it's like I'm riding them. I can feel, it's like, like, you can feel a car when you're driving it. You can feel every bit of that car when you're driving it. That's how I feel with people in a room, whether it's 100 people or 1,000 or 10,000 people. I can feel that kind of energy transfer. So when I go into places and feel certain energies, I, I enjoy that. I like, I'm fascinated by why it feels that way. And the good thing about it, I think when I did Kundalini at your place and I wasn't, didn't know what to expect. It was a proper transformational experience. I, I thoroughly recommend it. Um, but one thing, one thing I found fascinating by it was Something the the woman who I can't I'm terrible I can't I'm terrible Claire, Claire uh, one thing Claire said at the start of it she said it was the, in however many years she'd been doing yoga it was the first time there'd been more men in the class than women and I didn't really notice it until it, until she said it uh, and I've been to because I've I've been to a lot of yoga places before and all the, some great places but when I actually looked around after she said that the fascinating thing about awake and I think the good influence that you have is that you've got a lot of women that you would normally see in the yoga place and you've got a load of scally lads in fucking under armor yeah. just like who are willing to like now engage with that and open up to it and they were all the way they all opened up and there's some of them crying and just everyone was accepting of each other and just like mm -hmm. 
it was just it's a lovely place to be and but i think what, you, what you'll notice or a lot of people notice you understand these type of things there's been a massive shift in consciousness in the yeah. world i can notice it massively over the last five six years so what you're kind of getting is all these men are like searching for something like man bone he's he's a good friend of mine yeah. you know man don't you yeah we have man on, we? Martin on so you know man's like a pioneering basically this kind of stuff for men's work it's because you know a, a lot of men you find the ego stops them from actually being being the true self or being who they who they want to be and especially in liverpool we've all got this big like you know it's like i call it like a self-defense mechanism it's sticking your chest out it's basically being someone who you're not yeah but I, I think it's hard for a lot of men because this shift's going on energetically around the world and like men are kind of wanna wanna let them you know be open and be who they really are but then the, the at the same time the biggest fear is actually showing vulnerability when like when you really look into it vulnerability showing you vulnerability is like the truest like form of strength mm. i believe in a man because if you to basically show your vulnerable side it's like to say you know it's like well, you go you go from being like this big macho hard case you know even to the point if you don't want to be a big macho hard case you still don't want to be victimized or yeah you know where we grew up and where, where i'm from and a lot of lads who like the lads who are coming into waking only under armor gear it's like you've got to be able to look after yourself yeah. you can't show any signs of weakness where vulnerability is the total opposite you know mm. you're not afraid to get upset or cry or show emotions or let you just be be your true self in front of other people you know because there's obviously this ego and the fear of people thinking that you're weak where like that's why i'm big on on going into the schools and teaching young men martial arts because the confidence what comes with it i think that confidence then enables the you know the young lads to show that vulnerable side because like i use myself as an example like i know i can fight i know mm. i can have to train you know what i train like mm. you know for, for the average man on the street like i'm a i'm a fucking i'm an eye case you know yeah. what I, mean? I, I don't mean to sound like <laughs> a dickhead when i say yeah. that but everyone who knows me knows it yeah but at the same time i don't have road rage i don't argue with I, I, I rarely lose my temper with anyone, probably apart from my missus is the only person who can, <laughs> can pull me strings. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Once I've mastered that, I know, like, yeah. I might as well just piss like, off and go and meditate for the rest yeah, of Yeah, you're in at the top of a mountain. Yeah, but, but like, you know, it's it's just all, all this, basically, it's a, it's a lot of um, work on yourself to, I never see to get rid of the ego because, like, I know I've still got an ego, but it's actually being able to use it to empower you and, you know, you can. I believe you can manipulate your ego to, to a certain extent to achieve certain things and what do you mean so like yes a lot of people say over oh, like your ego you know get rid of your ego and ego is no good but like i believe there's definitely like a part of me like i i exercise every morning i have conversations with myself we all speak to ourselves the difference is some people are aware that they're having conversations with themselves and some aren't so like the stuff i'm passionate about now which is sharing information and the stuff I'm doing in the schools and like my service to other people so to say I actually use my ego like I'm gonna fucking do this and I'm gonna do that watch I'm you know like to the point where I've actually visualized fucking statues and you know this man fucking like helped thousands of people yeah you know and continues to do so it's like that's ego that's me like I'm gonna fucking show everyone I'm gonna come from there and I'm gonna get to there and I've kind of used like that as motivation in work and business in fight without realizing at the time i was doing it because i weren't really aware of all the stuff what i am now yeah but like you know that that is that is to a certain extent that is ego but i use my ego um as as a method to help other people yeah so i can watch what i do to like <laughs> you know i can be outside of the school like even on my way yeah i've had to have a little minute like i'm gonna fucking go in and 
yeah. you want to go in and help people and inspire mm. people and you know what they like, you can say that to me that is that is ego yeah mean? that's yeah. that interesting because i've always thought like obviously I, I need a bit of ego to do what i do just and i'm not naturally that way i'm kind of i'm quite self-deprecating if i'm if mm. naturally so i i've got to build that up a little bit and then yeah doing a lot of this work there are a lot of people who try, can't say it's like breakdown of the ego or yeah i think people have their own in interpretation yeah. of what an ego is yeah and i was i'm yeah. kind of scared to let that go a little bit because i think that was where it was because I, I felt like i was going down a path where i was like trying to be more authentic to myself but then obviously i'm needing this ego to get on stage and be that like kind of yeah but then there's a confidence. guy who like i'm really into and i've watched his videos he is yeah. alan watson yeah. he speaks a lot about like at the end of the day everything's like kind of like an act so yeah being a certain person you can be aware of your ego in my opinion yeah. and utilize your ego sometimes it takes over sometimes it's where like I, I know my ego is being working against me and being aware it's working against me and you know i've kind of haven't got control over it yeah you know what it might have been something's happened and afterwards it's been like that's me ego yeah so it's just having that self-awareness and understanding of, of what it is but I, I believe that i use it to to my advantage and like i said what a, what a, i'm really um passionate on is obviously helping people yeah. the stuff i'm doing with awaken stuff i'm doing in the school so mm. i actually use it to like i was like if someone says you can't do something i fucking can yeah do you know what i mean you know if someone says like you know with not even someone i'm saying to myself watch what i do, <laughs> do you know what I, mean? I like you know i've got plans for the future i won't go into them but yeah i've definitely used me ego to like to get me to just as a bit of fuel to I'm, I'm still not where where i need to be but I'm definitely manipulating the ego to get me where where i want to be do you yeah. know what i mean does that ever come to i obviously that much you needed that as the as a fighter you, you have to have that kind of yeah but gotta it, have that self-belief for me it, it worked against me because i cared too much what people thought when yeah. i was fighting i put like I, I don't get me wrong i put too much pressure on myself yeah like again it's the conversation i had yesterday with lee and i was speaking to another lad mick stanton he's the same age yeah, as me no, mick, yeah. mick's cool they're yeah. one of the, the best lads you'll ever meet but they're still they're still competing yeah do you mean so like i'm away from that now so like you see fighters who they're competing and then they come away from fighting for years they go back with an older body not physically as fit as they were but a better fighter mm. and i believe sometimes when you take that step away and you evaluate everything you understand where you were mentally and you you know some of them come away from the you know actually when you're training for fights all the time you're training for specific opponents and, and you're obviously your mind just fixed on 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 like a date and a fight and it's like a repetitive thing where you know if you're fighting four times a year four times a year you're focusing intentions on a certain date or a certain opponent where like when you actually step away from fighting you get that time and energy which you're putting into competing and training every day you know you get time to think yeah you mean where was it going right where was it going wrong what was i thinking in that fight and where did they go wrong in that fight when you find 90 percent of the time it's not physical it's not that you weren't fit or you were carrying an injury it's like mentally you you, you lost the fight and i've been there and i've done it and now i'm looking back at my fight career and thinking well you know i didn't actually enjoy being in the fight i love the training i love the cutting weight the sparring used to do in car bomb used to absolutely like beat the shit out of each other they still do now yeah do you know what i mean like the, the trainings absolutely fucking insane yeah. coming away from it and looking back at what what i used to do and what the lads are still doing to this day i don't like i'm not in there as nowhere near as much as you used to be yeah obviously because of working other commitments but like i'm pretty sure they're still training 
maybe not. I won't say not as hard. I think you know, Colin's a very, very uh, intelligent coach. Yeah. Maybe he's changed the methods up a little bit, but we just used to absolutely fucking murder each other. <laughs> but so we shouldn't have gone into a fight with any fear. But we only fear going into a fight. I, like I've always been a perfectionist. Like yeah. Darren Till was one of me really close mates, and I've spent time with him. And he tell you, I was like the ultimate perfectionist in preparation when it comes to training. My diet, like I give one hundred and fifty percent for for to fight because I absolutely loved it. But when it comes to actually getting in and into the fight, because I put so much in, it meant so much to me. I didn't know how to deal with it, you know. And I only know that now with what yeah. I know, looking back, thinking, well, I put too much pressure yeah. on so myself. What, what were you scared of? Like, were you scared of, scared not, of not, not, not failing, but not doing it perfectly? Paul, I used to think like, because I go to Brazil. Two, three times a year, I go yeah. to the States. I was like training partners in Vegas. Yeah. I go out with Paul Sash, Terry Atom. Yeah. I was getting paid up. Obviously, you look at your level of ability and your size. They put me with like Martin Campman, who was flying at the yeah. time, Vito Belfort, the best fighters in the world. And I was hanging with all of them in the gym. So I knew that my level, when I go I go to them places, I knew that my level was where it needed to yeah. be. You know, But at the time, my goal was always like, I want to be top five. I want to earn a good living off fighting. Not not do nothing else. I want to commit to it a hundred percent and, and but my goal is never like that until his goal is he wants to be the best fighter on the planet yeah. and he believes he will be. He knows he's still got, you know, some way to go, but I know in his heart he believes he'll be the number one fucking whether he's a middleweight or welterweight. Yeah. Or he keeps fucking eating cakes and he goes up to light heavy. <laughs> he believes he'll be the number one. My my belief was never I will be the number one where if I was to go back to fight now, I had the mindset what I had now. I'd know that if that's not my mindset, there's no point in doing it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Where mine used to be, I just want to be in that top five. Look at the guys who are in training when I go to prison. Now, I know I'm on that level and I was on that level. But then when I'd actually get in the fight, I didn't enjoy being in there. So like Darren as an example. For me, when I look at Darren from the stuff what I'm into now, that's Darren's, he's free. Yeah, if he could put it, if he could spend an hour in a cage, he'd spend an hour in a cage. Yeah, like I've seen him in fights where I know he's more than capable of taking someone out in the first or second he round. He doesn't want it to be over. Doesn't want it to. Yeah, he's fucking the feeling what he gets when he's in there, he goes into flow in the first thirty seconds, like pretty much instantly, he's in a flow state and he's free. Do you know what I mean? That's like a form of meditation for yeah. for someone who loves what they're doing. So f- for me, I didn't have that. It was just pressure and anxiety and. You know, the worry of losing, the worry, not even just the worry of losing, the worry enough not. So you're always effect. like a step behind your own head. So basically, in my opinion, I was fighting consciously where Darren's on autopilot, yeah. fighting subconsciously, he's in flow, full flow. Yeah. I was thinking about my next move. So I had a fight in Brazil and um, I'd actually retired for a few years. I'd, I'd had a fight in the UFC and then I retired not long after. And then we had a guy come over from, um, from America I was obviously still in the gym all the time, training, was still as good as I was when I had the fight in, in the UFC, but he actually invited me to go into a tournament in Bellator, and I was like 50-50 because I'd obviously come away from fighting, I was trying to get into work and earn some money and stuff like that. So they offered me a signing on fee to go to um, Brazil, and that, like I had one of my closest friends again, and he's a coach over there now, and he was Darren's coach, grappling coach, Marcelo Brigadeiro. I, um, I spoke to him over going over, he's come over, I'll get you some fights. So like I went over there and the plan was to have two fights in a month, come back and then enter this tournament in Bellator. And the reason I was going over there and having a couple of fights was because obviously 
I hadn't fought for two, two and a half years, so yeah. I wanted to just get rid of the ring rust and, and whatever else. So I went over there. First fight was in a gym because it's mad over there. First fight was just in a gym. <laughs> we ain't even like a, I warmed up on the car park, no mat, <laughs> nothing. Did you? Like fucking just went in. <laughs> fought this lad who wasn't very good and, and won uh, pretty quick. So then I was fighting another guy who, again, weren't like amazing record, but he had a lot of experience and he was at welterweight in between. Coming away from the like my last fight in the UFC, welterweight, I bloomed up to like 97 kilos. I was still training all the time. Yeah. I was doing a lot of weight, but still doing all my martial arts, coaching, wrestling, yeah. doing everything else. But I was just eating what I wanted and I was, I was big, do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I'd come all the way back down to welterweight for this fight. So instantly I was like a bit worried, worried over the weight because I hadn't been at that weight for such a long time. I was going into the fight knowing that the fight I'd had a week before weren't really a fight. It was just like going to the gym. So I was like, I had that in me, I was thinking, fucking hell, it's been like that, weren't even a fight last week, and it's been two and a half years since I competed. I've got to cut down to welterweight, so all my negative, like, self, basically yeah. self-talk, I was like, fucking, I was losing before I was going into the fight, do you know what I mean? Um, then I, I had issues with, with the weight cut, like, like, without, like, I'm not making excuses in any yeah. way, but um, I actually went in underweight, yeah. because I'd made weight for 12 o'clock in the day, and we had no son, it's nothing like that where we were. So I was with a, another mate of mine, Ian Martel, he come down me and I had to warm up in. I had to cut all my weight, basically by turning all the showers on. And I was in like a little hotel in, um, I can't remember, it was Sao Paulo or something like that. I was in this little hotel, tiny hotel room with all the fucking taps on, scorching not, all the things on, scorching not, doing shadow boxing and like, come, we had no, no, no way, bat, not just a shower on. There was no saunas anywhere near. We couldn't find anywhere to get a sauna. So it was probably the, the toughest weight cut of my life. And Brig, my coach, said, we're weighing in at 12. So I made weight for 12. And when they got there, they said, the weighing's on until half three. Oh. So I was sitting there for three and a half hours. Fucking, it took me, like, basically the night before and all morning to get down to the weight where I needed to be. And I was just, like, mentally. So what, you just got to sit, you can't drink mentally, water and you can't even... I just felt terrible. Yeah. Like, I show you pictures of me. I felt terrible. I looked terrible. Yeah. And I, I was just sitting there pissed off for three and a half hours. Anyone who's cut weight will tell you it's not a, uh, as much as now I look back, I think they were the best. That's what I enjoyed. I enjoyed all them, like the tough, like the cutting weight and everything else. It's like, in that moment, I weren't, yeah. I weren't mentally in a good place. I was making excuses up in my own head before I'd actually gone into the, into the fight, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so I went into the fight anyway. I had zero nerves to the point where I didn't give a fuck. I was just like, I just need to go in and just get this fight out of the way. And, and I didn't even, I don't even think I was thinking about winning or losing or, I just wanted to get the fight over and done with. That's where, that's where I was at. It was like a big stadium for, in Brazil. Yeah. I think there was a couple of thousand people there. And um, I went one bit bothered. I had no nerves. I actually felt tired and fatigued in the warm-up. Where you should be full of adrenaline and excited in the warm-up. I was completely flat. I had not, I'm still at dry mouth, still felt the eyes ate and was just like, Walking out my entrance, I felt like I was just walking the shop for a loaf of bread. <laughs> there was no nerves whatsoever. I went in, but in the first, thought my game plan was knock him out in the first minute and see what I would try and knock him out in the first minute and, and see what happens. That was like, I knew I was physically stronger than the guy, but obviously he'd had a lot of fights and yeah. he was tough. He, he, went up, he, was, he was a decent guy, like, he weren't shit by, by a long shot, you yeah. know what I mean? Um, so the first after, like in the, the first minute, I lost the fight on the decision. I gave it everything I could in the first minute and then just gassed. Oh. Like he weren't even like a good wrestler or not, but I just don't remember being, 
on the uh, on my back. It's like, ah, oh, you bastard. <laughs> Get me home. And like, I don't care. People might believe me, but I actually remember at one point in the fight thinking, I can't wait. To, there's a Chinese one I go to called the Maple <laughs> Witness. Fucking can't wait to get home and go to Mayfield in my bed. And that was in a fight. I mean, but let the fella, I was in half guard, he was on top of me in half guard. And he, I weren't giving him no space, I was holding on to me, just going in my face like that, just like that, just getting. Just remember this little tud yeah. on the side of my face, and it's like, fucking get me for it, I can't be for it, Chinese, and I get home. <laughs> and in the minute the fight was over, I was in bits, I was like, yeah. no way, I've just lost. Do you know what I mean? I was like, it's mad. It's like, like, when I look back now, I realise how. How, how mental, how much of it's like in, in your head, do you know mm. what I mean? So is that what kind of set you off on this path of like self-development or were you always doing that then and you just kind you of had nailed it? Or? Like I never used to read or I never stood, like I studied martial arts so like again I was training for two hours in the morning, sending conditioning for an hour in the afternoon. Then I'd do probably two hours training at night and I was coaching on top of that as well so I was living and breathing it but yeah. in between training I was watching it. If we weren't watching it, I was eating or sleeping. Yeah. If we weren't in Calbon, I was just resting, going, going somewhere with, with, with me, Mrs. Katie, or yeah. I was in fucking Brazil, or like I literally lived it. And then when I come away from, obviously, fighting, uh, I'd met this guy, Brian, who's now one of my fucking closest yeah. friends. I absolutely love him, do you know what I mean? And um, Brian just put me on this little journey of like basically studying energies and, and things like that. And then that just led me down a path of self-development because for me that the, the you know studying mindfulness and how your mind works i started to look back on my own life and realized like i learned what manifestation was and i was like Fucking, i've been doing that all my life i'm good at that without even without even knowing and then the more i started to study the science behind it all the more i started to become aware of where it was in certain places in my life why things were going good why things were going bad and even in terms of looking back at, at my fighting career i was like oh I know where I went wrong there now. Yeah. Like that information for other fighters, younger fighters for people is invaluable because yeah. it's like, I've been there, I, I know exactly where, I had all the ability, like what I needed to be. If I, I believe if I had the same knowledge what I've got now and I was still competing and had the same love for the sport as what I had then, I'd be the best fighter at my weight division. Mm. Like in UFC, I'd win a belt. Mm. You know what I mean? Because I believe I had the ability. Just talk to yourself out I of just, it. I just didn't have, like me, I just didn't have the belief. That, that's all it boils down to. I was, I'll have a fight with anyone, even now, I'll have a fight with anyone. You know what I mean? But I didn't have the, in terms I of... I can't have the state either. Uh, <laughs> I've seen you on the back, mate, so I reckon that'd be all right, to be fair. But, uh, but yeah, I, I, I genuinely believe if, if I had the knowledge what I've got now, and I, and I still had the love for fighting, and obviously I went back into it, and I don't believe there's anything more I couldn't achieve. Yeah. But then it's I can speak to other people now, and that's that that's fighting. That that was my thing was fighting. But yeah. like I go into just the speak to the kids in the schools, and it's like you've got no one telling them that like you can do anything more. Can use your kids. I started studying all this mindfulness and self development and everything when I was you know in my late twenties, maybe thirty. Usually like fourteen years old, you can fucking do absolutely anything what you want. Find so, something what you love. And go or, or something what you want to do and go and learn how to do it and study it and fucking master it and yeah. you know you, you, can, you can do anything what yeah what you want it is where i went wrong i fucking tell you where i went wrong now don't make them mistakes yeah. what i made yeah you know this is what you need to do and anyone who tells you you can't that's only because they can't do it yeah do you mean all these kids have got no confidence in themselves but by me going in like i do with dean garner he's a good mate of mine dean yeah like the stuff he does with the kids is fucking mega he's like 
you know, he's a big part of his life as service. You know, my gym's, I won't say a rival gym, but, you know, Dean's got a great a great gym with great lads. He puts a lot into the kids. Um, and I'm from an opposing gym, do you know what I mean? But I'm still fucking, you can't got to give credit where it's due, yeah. Dean's like, what he puts into them kids, what he puts into his gym, he puts his heart and soul in. And now we're kind of working together. Well, we are working together. And we're trying to uh, create these different programs in the schools. And, you know, it's basically the, the, the same thing. It's like a combination of, I go in, like I was doing this before I started to work with Dean. I've been doing this for over a year now. And um, so basically I go in the schools as a martial arts instructor. I don't mention nothing about meditation. I don't mention nothing about mindfulness. I don't tell them I do yoga. I just pull up a bit of like, you know, cage fighter, fucking, you know, interact. He's relatable to the kids. I've got nice cars and I've got materialistically all the things what I know these kids want. And I kind of market myself like that mm. at the start to get their attention, to get the respect. And then once they start to get to know me and the barriers break down and, you know, get the kids who want to be there. I might start with 20 kids and I might end up with six or seven, but the six or seven look forward to me being there. Then once I know I've got them kids, I can start to introduce them to speak to them about mindfulness, but in a way where they can understand that I don't go speak about science or even like I don't even mention psychology, nothing. It's as simple as me going, how are you? And they go, Man, it's a bit shit, isn't it? Or I go, what's happening? Sorry. And they go, fuck all it's shit. Mm-hmm. Like I use this example all the time because it's, it's so simple, but but again, relatable. It's like, I go, how are you? And the kid, oh, what's happening? And the kids go, fuck all it's shit. I go, why is it shit? I don't know. <laughs> I heard my mate say it. <laughs> well, ask me how I am. They go, how are you? I go, I'm fucking boss. Yeah. I go, ask me why. And they go, why are you boss? I just say, because I'm here with you. Took a day off work. I mean, I'm in here working with kids and, and I enjoy doing it. And like the next week I'm in the school with the kids and I go, it might be John. I go, John, what's happening? He goes, fuck all. It's sand, isn't it? And like, <laughs> It's the sh- it's like just like getting it across to you. Just a yeah. mindset change. I say you ready? How old the pads are? Go, you ready? Ninety percent of the kids, the, you see, they're all like you can tell by the body language. There's no confidence. They're, they're doing something new. I'm like, yeah, you ready for pads? And they go, nah. Like, what do you mean, nah? You meant to say like, fucking right? I was born ready. <laughs> oh come on, are you ready? I'll bang the pads together and like try and like give them a bit of like good energy. Yeah. You go, come on. I guarantee, maybe in a couple of weeks, I'm like, you ready for pads? Like fucking yeah, I'm ready. Mm. And it's, it's good as well because, like, after four or five weeks, a lot of these kids have never done. Like, again, I use martial arts because I believe that's, like, I'm an expert in. Yeah. That's, like, my field, so to say, or was my field. And that's my avenue into the kids. But like, the, what they, they say over, like, four weeks is the first day, they're like, I'm shit at this, and they get this out. And then, but then after four weeks, I've got them doing, throwing basic boxing combinations, and I remind them, I say, look where you were four weeks ago. And look where you are now. Mm. You couldn't throw a punch four weeks ago, you were shit. And look at you now. You're still not Floyd Mayweather <laughs> or fucking George St. Pierre. Yeah. But look where you were four weeks ago. So, and, and that works in anything. Weeks, it yeah. doesn't matter if you want to be a solicitor, if you want, you know, if you want to be a joiner. It doesn't matter what you want to be. You know, it, 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 you don't want to be a fighter, but look how much you've improved in four sessions. Not just this technique wise, look at your attitude. Are you ready? Fucking right, I am. Yeah. It's like, and the kids see that, and it, it's, you know, brings a lot of confidence and, mm. and belief in them and, you know, saying to them, look, we can have a, in a proper conversation, I can say, I never got nothing from school. I just used to earn a couple of quid selling sweets to talk about the same things as what all my mates had. I never learned nothing. Like, I won't say I never learned nothing, but I didn't pay attention. I was there to earn money mm. right through school. 
you know what I mean? I, w- I went there to get an education or to learn nothing. But then what I say to the kids is, learning itself is a skill and a practice. And I study that now. I study being able to learn, being able to concentrate. That's why meditation and stuff like that is so valuable because it's teaching you the art of concentration, which is like kids don't understand how much of an asset that is because yeah. if you can learn and concentrate, you can do anything. Go and pick up a book, go and watch videos on YouTube and, and study. And if you're able to concentrate and focus, you can absorb the information, which enables you to learn more. So you get wherever you want to go quicker. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And it's like, these, these are the conversations where I'm having with kids and I don't believe no school teacher, no parent. Nah. No one's I, having these conversations yeah. with the kids. I, I wouldn't have, wouldn't have heard that in school. Like, mm. That's possible. When you say, I, I always get fascinated when you say manifestation because you're the first person I've ever like, I'll be honest with you, I've always like, you know, the secret and all that, I've always been like, oh, fuck off. Like, fucking, who was it? He fucking, uh, Noel Edmonds used to always go on about it on a deal or no deal, didn't he? Yeah. Just, like, manifested and all that. And I used to be like, that's obviously bullshit, isn't it? Because you can't just ask for something and it comes. That's just fucking not how it works. But it starts with asking. You can't just ask for something. Yeah, well, that's, comes, that's, that's you're the first starts. person who kind of put it to me. And in, in, I, I was missing something. I was missing an obvious step. Because mm. uh, the way I saw it, it was like, I thought the secret was just go, oh, just fucking write someone on a Lamborghini on a piece of paper and stick it there and just wait yeah. for your Lamborghini. And then when it doesn't come, you're like, oh, fuck off. I must not ask for it properly. Yeah. And it's then, the same with, like, you heard Conor McGregor use, like, the analogy of parking spaces. So it's like, well, what happens is people go, I'm going to get to Tesco's, I'm going to get a parking space, Tesco's, parking space. And they get there and there's no parking space and, like, this is shit that doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? But yeah. I believe, even to this day, what was out of the world outside, said your parking space is there. In my mind, I'm saying I knew it would be. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? doesn't mean it's there all the time. Yeah. But I expect it to be there, but if it's not, I'm not disheartened in any way. I'm like, okay, well, you know, maybe five times out of ten I get that parking yeah. space. But if, if I didn't believe I'd ever get it, it wouldn't be there. It probably wouldn't. Yeah. I'd be parking down the road. Do you know what I mean? So when you say, when you tell people, like, about manifestation and stuff like that, you're, I think, if I if I understand it right now, I'm still kind of, kind of get to grips with this. This is dead new to me, so, I'm, and I've been trying to, like, implement it in my own life. It's about, like... The way I look at it, it's about, have you ever seen that Jim Carrey film, Yes Man? Yeah. Where he just goes, I'm just going to say fucking yeah to everyone yeah. For, for, and see what happens. And he ends up on this mad one. And it starts off, he's like, oh, fucking hell. But then he ends up, it ends up on a boss journey. Yeah. That's how I've kind of, I'm obviously not saying yes to everyone. But like, I'm trying to be more positive and open to like, because I'm, I think I've kind of a similar mindset to you. And like, I taught myself out of shit that I'm not in my comfort zone. So and I've always to. done that. Do you know what I mean? So like, I'm used to hosting this comedy club. So when when stuff started going mad for me, I never used to want to gig outside the city, mate, because I thought, I know what I'm doing here. I'm dead comfortable in front of a scout audience. Mm-hmm. So I'll just get on stage and I'll fucking, hey, you mate, what you do? And I can, I've got loads of local, re- I know everywhere in the city. And, I'll, and I, Well, that's similar to me when yeah, I used yeah. to fight. I just want to get in that top five and earn yeah. enough money. Even. You're in the top five and floating now and there. Yeah. You know, then, but at the end of the day, they're all saying you reach for the, yeah. The, the, the stars or something, isn't it? Or you reach for the moon and you, you might at the stars yeah, or whatever. Yeah. Doesn't matter what you do, mate. You've got it. Your goal has got to be to be the number one. To, to, to actually, you know, it doesn't matter if you're a junior, a carpenter. You know, there's people who've started cleaning one window, fucking on Kenny. Yeah. Just like as a laugh. I'll use that as an example. Cleaning, cleaning house windows. But they might love what they do. Yeah. The next minute they're cleaning office blocks in town. The next minute, the cleaning office box in Manchester. It doesn't matter what you do. If you absolutely love what you do and you're first there in the morning, you never let no one down. 
you, you know, you've got that passion and, and, and you, you fucking work hard. Yeah. It doesn't matter what you do, you can take it to any level what what you want. Yeah. It's only self-limiting beliefs and like, it's called a paradigm. So obviously there's a guy called Bob Proctor who I studied over the years and I still watch his videos now. Yeah, and I think he's he about Yeah, a, a paradigm and a paradigm is just like basically your standard. So you say, well, my standard's there. So if your paradigm is I want to earn 30k a year, no, I'm, I'm, no, I'd like to earn it under K a year, but I don't believe I can earn it under K a year because my dad only earned like, mm. you know, 20 grand. So I'm earning 10 grand more than my dad. So I reckon I'm doing all right. And, you know, that's me mortgage and that, that, that's like, you learn what you believe, what you set your standard at or what you believe you need. Do you know what I mean? It's only when you start to like see past that and you gradually raise your paradigm. I'm not saying you go from earning like 20, 30 grand a year to earning millions in, in months, but gradually you set yourself little goals and, and, and like you know you don't have to be big massive goals you can go well i just want to go to that next step to that next level and like he calls it a terror barrier because you've got to smash through the terror barrier you know and on the other side of like that terror, ba- terror barrier is is the life of your dreams whatever you want and it's only our, our self-limiting you know talking like in a dialogue what we have with ourselves mm. basically what we say to ourselves based on you know like a lot of this comes from your environment when you're growing up you are like I use the kids again as an example, but when I go into the kids in the schools, when I the day I walk in, they've got every excuse to to fail in life because the, you know a lot of these have come from uh, drug abuse backgrounds, you know fucking like terrible experiences growing up, and people who've got absolutely nowhere in life. So it's like they've got an excuse. You can people you hear people say there's no excuses, no excuses. Once you start to give them information and teach them, tell them differently, you've got an excuse because mm. it's all they know. Yeah. And we're all a product of our environment. Yeah. Like, up until the first seven years of your life, if you had a traumatic seven years, that's with you for the rest of your life because up until seven, you download your environment. So people can tell you whatever, but you download it through all your senses, through what you see, hear, smell, taste, touch. Basically, haven't you? You're up until seven, you're in it. It's called the theta state. So you've got different brain states. The state of theta is basically a state of hypnosis. And the reason is because obviously think about a baby growing up, you've got that much to learn as they're growing, growing obviously as they're getting older. There's that much information they need to take on board. You can't teach them at all. So they just download it all and then they create what's called a worldview. That worldview then is with them for the rest of their life. So like if you've got a child who's five and you take him to Toys R Us or to Smith and they say, I want that toy and you go, fucking hell you can like I used it again I use this as an example all the time but it's very simple you can't have that lad fucking hell that's 20 pound oh. you haven't got 20 pound you're basically teaching that child that lack and, and not having not being able to afford things is normal it's a normal way of life so you can rephrase it and wear it differently so I go to Toys R Us and my lad wants something or Smith he goes dad can I have that but I know he doesn't deserve it I'll say or, or say like um, it could have just been his birthday and he's saying I want that I just mean you can have anything in here what you want, but you're gonna have to figure out a way to get it. Do you know yeah. what I mean? So have a little thing what you can do, you know, maybe you can go and do a little bit of job, see if anyone needs anything or and you can have it. I'll never say no, we can't afford it. Yeah. You know I mean because that's teaching them lack where I want to teach them abundance. I do you can that have as well. I do that and it. I think it's a good thing as like, well. Because like, I can't I can I could get him it, but I'm like, I don't know. Brian, give me an amazing example. Wants, yeah. You've got a, your daughter who's two years old. I mean, if you if you tell her she can fly, she believes she can fly. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's only people telling them that they can't fly. Mm. Why they believe that they can't fly. Their perception is if I jump off that, I'm gonna fucking hit the floor. Yeah. But then parents say like, 
Fucking hell, don't jump off, they're on a wardrobe, don't jump off that, have you been all day, you'll have a big crack on your head, this lap and that lap and it's like shit, I better not fucking jump off that. That's just an example, but it's the same in Everton. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's like, you know, you might have you know, all these things with parents, it's about like, kids playing football, so you've got a, a child who, a teenager says he's, he's at a football club, and the parents are like, fucking hell, you need to study in school, you need to do this, you need to, you know, I'm not saying don't study in school. Like I said, you get to being able to learn is important, yeah. and you might not want to be a footballer one day, so it's still important being respectful to your teachers, being a good person, studying and learning. But at the same time, if you keep pushing into that, that kid, you've got to do jointly because that footy doesn't work. Yeah, I mean, you've got to you, you've got to have this to fall back on, that to fall back on. It's like everyone will have different views on it, but like there will be no plan B when my lad says he wants to do anything. It's like whatever you want to do, commit to it, and you can be what you want. Yeah. As long as you commit to it, find something what you love. It's a lot easier being fucking having motivation and being disciplined if you find something you actually enjoy and you've got a love for doing. Definitely. You know I mean? And I always I remember my last face when I told her I was going to be a comedian because I'm not I'm not a, I'm not allowed like you 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 know like you've met me in life. Yeah, yeah. I'm not allowed. I'm not like I am on stage. So everyone I told was like fuck off. Mm. But I I just knew it was something I was I was going to do. I just knew I wanted to do it. And um. I even told myself like, and I, I I still regale the story like it's the truth, but I I knew in my head I was what I wanted to do. But I, when it's that when I tell people, I think it's that in that that self talk or that humility. I'm still like, oh nah. When people go, did you know you're gonna be a comedian? I always go, no. I just thought I'd give it a go, and and that's what I told everyone at the time. I just I was just like, I'm just gonna give it a go once and see if I can do it. Um, but in my head, I did think like I could do this. I definitely can do it. And when I done it, I, and it went boss. Mm-hmm. I, I knew well, as soon as I got on the stage, we talk about that flow state. Yeah. I just knew it's still the, the only place, the place I feel, feel free, free from pain, worry, anything. There's not mm-hmm. nothing that exists on stage. I love it, um, and I do it. Like I ain't good money from doing stand up now, but I haven't always. And I, but I, I was never asked. I, I would do it if, if I was a millionaire. I'd do it. If I was a billionaire. I'd do it. If I was, yeah. if, I, if I earned fifty quid a week doing it, I'd do it. It's just one of them things. If you can find something like that where you feel that freedom, yeah, and that pays your bills and gives you what you need, definitely. That's like you know the position I'm in. I I don't earn no money out of the stuff what I do in terms of with the schools and I've set up businesses purely with the motivation behind it of becoming financially free at a certain age. There, obviously, my goals were set seven eight years ago. Mm. So obviously, I'm still working on these goals. Like my goals weren't like. I weren't doing something more I love. I had to use things like I want to buy my mum a house and all that. I want to be in a position to help people. I want to like being able to open awake and stuff like that. To me, that that that's that's like the motivation behind opening them centres. It's like it's all self-funded. So like I've had, I've got businesses. I've got a, a few different businesses, but they're all they're not what I'm passionate about. I've got a restaurant. I can't cook. Do you know what I mean? I say that to the kids laughing. Yeah. I can be Mrs. will tell you now. My mum will tell you it's had a boiling egg with no water in the pan. <laughs> When I was about 17, and any time when it comes up to buy food, my mum will buzz off me and go, I can't cook, I've got no interest in cooking, yeah. don't like it, don't enjoy it, I'll never cook, yeah. but I've got a restaurant, yeah. do you know what I mean? And my motivation behind the, the restaurant was to create a business which earns money. I seen something when I was in Brazil with Darren, and I was like, I'm going to do that when I get home. There's an idea in the back of my mind, it never went away. I've never had a restaurant, you know, but I've got a restaurant. Yeah. And it's like, but the motivation behind it was seeing it was a way to make money. There's other stuff I'm involved in, it's just about making money. But but like my my goals where money's concerned is 
to have enough money to where I've got enough passive income to where it doesn't exist and I can have the freedom to do what I enjoy doing, which might be working in the schools, might be spending a day with my mum, yeah. might be spending a day with my missus, just having the freedom for time because I am a lot on a lot of phone calls and I do a lot of things which is earning money and I'm very grateful for it, but it's not my passion. So I've had to use certain things to motivate me and, and inspire me to work, to earn money, to, to do these things. Like I said, like visualising, like passing me mum keys to a house. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. the, these certain things which which have had me to the point where I'm actually visualising it and I'm emotional doing it. Yeah. Like I've sobbed, yeah. like imagining this, yeah. like giving me mum these set of keys. Do you know what I mean? For like, for an hour, awesome. I've done these things and it's like, you know, I've seen all this. I've, I've done these things for like, seven years in my mind before I've physically been in a position to go and do it. So yeah. that's like, that is manifestation. But I look back when I was a kid and I was actually, people manifest without even realising. Tony Bell is a great example. Probably the, until maybe recently didn't really, doesn't know what manifestation on a scientific level, what it is or how it works. But apart from being a close friend and me, what, me watching him right through his old career from fighting in, fucking dockers clubs and whatever when he was a kid amateur to seeing him now he's like a master of fucking manifestation haven't he said he's gonna do he's done it without realizing what he's doing it i started to learn the science behind and realize not not to the level what tony's doing i mean like being in school and not having shoes like all my mates how do i get shoes like all my mates well fucking i'll go and buy sweets out of the shop and i'll sell them for twice as much and then when i've got enough money i'll go and buy the same shoes as my mates Everyone's on BMX, I'm like, fucking, I need a BMX. <laughs> I guarantee you, in three months, I'm fucking riding on a BMX, the same, if not better than yeah. all my mates. So I was like, I started to realise that, that that is what manifestation is. If you see a business in your mind and you actually take that first step to making it happen and you believe it'll happen, I'm not saying it's overnight and you might have to fail three, four times before the fifth time it actually works and it becomes successful. But that is, in a nutshell, that is what manifestation is. Yeah. It's just the art of creation. I mean, it all starting here. Yeah. So, what's the what, what when you say the science behind it? Like, I mean, that might be a long. Is that obviously that's a, so we're, a lot. We're, me and you, like when you're saying earlier on, over we're surrounded by an electromagnetic field of energy. Yeah. So what happens? Like you can. So you got a, a electronic energy, say thoughts, which is in your your brain, with your brain, it's your mind. Yeah. And then your heart has also got memory and has got it's, it's like brain cells basically yeah. in in your heart and. What they do, they create a field, a magnetic field, and it's what it says, it's magnetic. So you can influence your environment through thoughts and through emotions. And when you get the two things working together, it's like that. That's like the fucking daddy of creating, manifesting what you want. And that, that I don't just mean materialistic things like cars, watches, you know, it's like everything in the world connected. You, you think about someone and the next minute they ring you and it's be someone you haven't seen for ages. It's like... You know, the science we learnt in school is not, is, is fucking historical compared to what they know now in terms yeah. of quantum physics and all, and it's like, there's energy science, and that that's, like, when I've studied, it's hard, because I want to try and keep it to where it makes sense. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And, it's, and people can understand it, but basically we're, we're, we're surrounded it goes by, too complicated, we're surrounded you know, by a field of energy, yeah. and what you put out in terms of what you see and what you attach emotion to, you create now the problem is a lot of people are creating sickness and disease like i don't even want to talk about this thing what's going on in the, yeah. in the world because i'm sick of yeah, conversations sick of over it but the the my biggest worry with that thing is people are, are i'm not saying everyone's getting this see thing 
what I'm saying is people are making themselves sick through worrying about it, through watching it, through paying attention to it. So you can manifest sickness and illness um, without realising that you're doing it by focusing on it, giving it all your energy, by giving it your attention, watching it on the news, getting engaged in conversations about it. If you put all your, t- your attention, your focus and you worry about it, that's no different than manifesting something what you want because you're attaching thought, emotion. And when you actually create it, it's called an acebo. Yeah, so you've got yeah. a placebo. Yeah. So like one of the number one, if not the number one selling fucking drug in America is an anxiety drug. It doesn't work. It's a placebo. It only works because people buy it and on the back of the thing it says in 30 minutes your um, anxiety, whatever it should, will subside. People read that. People take it and within 30 minutes tell themselves they feel better so they feel better but the opposite works as well do you know what I mean so it's like again I can use fighting as an example I used to predict when I was going to get sick it be before a fight or after a fight so like when I was going to Brazil and I had a couple of fights together my biggest worry and concern was I'm going to get sick because I always get sick just before a fight or just after but I've got two fights close together and I've never done that my biggest worry was getting sick, so I spoke to me mate Brian, brain man Brian, and was like, Brian, look, I've got a concern. I always get sick before a fight, I always get sick after a fight. I get four to five chest infections a year. Every time I get a cough or I get a cold, I get a chest infection. He said, well, that's your problem, because you expect it. So every time you get a cold, you expect to get a chest infection. Every time you get a cough, you expect to get a chest infection. And I did, because I'd sneeze or cough, and it'd be like, Bastard, there comes a chest infection. <laughs> Mom, you might as well order me some anti- antibiotics now because I'm going to get a chest infection. Lo and behold, I'd fucking get a chest infection. Yeah. So it's like my, like, I won't say worry because I don't worry really, but when I'm looking now over this thing, what everyone's talking about, people, it's not, it's not everyone getting sick with that um, certain thing. Sickness in general, everything's gone through the roof. Yeah. People are just focusing on fucking sickness. And they're creating sickness. Do you know what I mean? Where, you know, the reason why I'm so passionate with the stuff I'm doing with the kids and awake and everything like that, it's over teaching kids to be more positive. You know, to teach them about positive self-talk. You know, to like my lad is is a great example because like if Katie was here now, she she she'd vouch for me. He he for a couple of years on the run, I think it might be two or three years on the run, he's had an award for not being off school, he's got full attendance. And he's got nut allergies and he's got a bit of asthma. But he doesn't believe he can get sick. And like we took him to all day to get a review on his on his allergies. And the doctor said something to him over um I'm got last time he went to the doctor's or I'm getting sick. And he just sat there like that and went, I don't get sick. So like in my head, I'm like, fucking get in. What an answer that is. I feel dead bad now. Do you know what I mean? Right? Because my mate, Freddie, who is one of the hosts here, mm-hmm. tells me I, I he, he told me he can't get sick. Right, and yeah. I called him a knobhead. Yeah. And I bet him, I bet him that he would get sick in the next year. And he got COVID, so I think I won the bet. But he didn't actually manifest any of the symptoms of COVID. And he said, well, I didn't get sick, and I won't. He's tested positive for COVID. But, but maybe he's COVID, doing that. Right, and because they believe the news on how serious it is. I'm not saying the news. Yeah. Well, I am the news is a load of shite. I haven't watched the news for 15 years. Mm. Probably 90% of what you see on the news is a load of bollocks. Yeah. Fact. And I don't watch it because the way it makes me feel. Watching the news, reading papers, makes me feel shit. Yeah, same. But I don't watch them and I don't pay no attention yeah, to them. I, I live in a bubble, mate. I hate yeah, all that. it's the same. And, and you know, I think, um, like, now, at the minute, pe- people who really, you know, there's, there's people who've died of COVID. My belief, I didn't want to go into this conversation, but my yeah. belief is it's a real thing. So there's a lot of people saying it's a load of shit. Yeah. 
yeah. whatever. I believe the actual COVID is it's a real virus, but my belief is it's just a different strain of the flu. Yeah. Again, it's not enough studied. I don't pay no attention to it. Yeah. No, I've had a, a, a week where I had no t- sense of my wife had it at the same time. No taste, no smell, a few headaches. And we were saying, at the time, everyone was banging on about this 5G. I was like, might be 5G, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what it is. Yeah. But it'll be gone in a few days anyway. Yeah. And it was. But I think the people who are buying into the fact that, like, there's people who... who Mainly people who've had elderly or have had underlying health issues have died of it. They have. Mm. Do you know what I mean? But then, you know, I think if people have got that belief that it's going to kill them, then it's going to make them fucking really sick. Mm. I'm not saying they're going to die. But if you believe it's as dangerous and, and you know, you basically believe what the news is saying, then, then it, it will make you a lot more sick than if you mm. just like, you know what? Like, I don't believe I get sick. I change my belief on it because when I went to Brazil, I ended up there for five weeks and four, three times, never got sick once. Every morning, I, I had positive affirmations, all based around having a strong immune system, being fit. I don't get sick. I actually looked in the mirror, looked myself in the eyes in the mirror. I had to tap myself there and say this list of affirmations what Brian gave me. And I never got sick once. I was overtrained. I was fucking cut weight. By law, I should have got sick. I was run down to death. And then it was like the minute I got off the plane coming home, I was like, oh, I get sick now. For Zachary, a week later, right, yeah, yeah. with a chest infection, like I created that, I give, I give that to myself, and no word of a lie. Like again, if my mum was here now, she she chest infection, the last one on my life. I don't get sick. Yeah, I haven't been sick in like fucking eight years. Don't mean I haven't had a little sniffle, but if yeah. I get a little sniffle or something, it just passes through and it yeah. goes. I don't change my routine. I train every day. I don't change what I eat. I don't have more sleep. I just crack on as normal because whatever comes in me is just coming to pass and it does. So do you believe that like obviously you're a fit guy, you're a healthy man, you do a, you have a quite a regimented routine which has mm. a lot of, I, I see you say the affirmations and stuff but like a lot of physical exercise and then you do a lot of, um, I know you do a lot of whip, like cold water and yeah. I don't know if you do saunas and stuff. and I do them when I can but I, I do... Uh, at least two three minutes in my back garden even like right through the winter under a freezing cold shower yeah it's yeah. even now mm-hmm. heavy though <laughs> it this morning and yesterday I, I, I mean i've been doing the cold showers all year to be honest and i quite i quite like them but outside's another game and <laughs> yeah cold water therapy though it's fucking hell what that does for you i'd be here all day if i was to go into that but yeah anyone who's watching just just youtube so do you think that back? helps obviously that that helps your body but then obviously helps your mind because you know you're doing everything you can to not be sick as well, or do you yeah, think just people have got the sick? perception that being cold makes you sick? I'm yeah. not saying it, it doesn't, but what I'm saying is if you do cold water um, therapy, is proven to strengthen your immune system. So I'm not saying if you get caught out in the rain at the wrong time, you get absolutely soaked. If your perception is I'm going to get a fucking cold now, I guarantee you're going to get a cold. Again, Evans, Evans, like you wouldn't believe the power of perception. It's like. My belief is, fucking, if I get caught out in the rain, I, I, I won't get sick. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I do my cold showers, I do ice baths. You know, it's like... Because you, you were doing the, the, the cold the cold water swims in the sea and stuff, weren't you? Yeah, we were doing them on the beach, and obviously I, sp- I spent a week in Poland with Wim Hof as well. And that was like loads of cold water. We were in freezing fucking rivers and yeah. lakes and doing all mad dances. My missus lives down in Torquay, and I've, I've got in the sea there. I love it. It's, it is good doing mm-hmm. the cold... 
weirdly, like, you know, you say don't read the news. The, the one news article that's been I've seen in the last two weeks was about because cold water swimming's become a lot more popular because the pools yeah. have been closed and stuff like that. So, it's, and you see all these, like, when you're down there, there's loads of our ones in the sea just swimming about. It's boss. Um, and apparently, this woman got in the sea cold and the cold water gave her amnesia. <laughs> she, that that like, might be one in how many, though. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, ah, oh, come on. But there's, there's, there's so many benefits to it. But for me, with the morning, like, I'm regimented in my mornings. Yeah. Like, I meditate every morning. This morning I've got up before I've took the kids to school. I've meditated. For probably I've done about 25, 30 minutes this morning. I've done my freezing cold chow, which is a full cold chow, five minutes in the backyard under basically a hose pipe. Yeah. I've trained for an hour. I've read for 20 minutes. I've watched, like, while I'm exercising, I do cardio most mornings. Yeah. While I'm exercising, I'm listening to inspirational, motivational, audio books. So it's like that's my time every morning, and that basically sets me up for the day. Like there's a like we done a thing on the beach, and it was all like win your mornings, win your days. Yeah, but yeah. Like the, basically, your morning lays the foundation for the rest of your day. And if you can, I'm the grateful every morning taking my kids to school, so I've got a load of work on myself in a couple of hours. And then I'm dead grateful taking my kids to school. We have a laugh on the way to school. Yeah. And I believe that that takes me into the day then in the best place possible. And things tend to go right. Where if you jump out of bed fucking a quarter past eight when your kids are in school, nine o'clock, you're shouting at your kids. Yeah. You're fucking running out eating a piece of toast. You're jumping in your car. You're rushing to school. And then you've got to go and be around people. You want to be around someone who's like, as we were saying before, over energy fields yeah. and stuff like that. Someone's energy is negative. It's like if you've got Joe over there, you're radiating with fucking positive energy, glowing and smile from here to here. And I fucking had the worst morning ever, pissed off. Joe's gonna want, choose to <laughs> fucking do a deal or work with you before he's gonna choose to do, do a deal and work with me. Yeah. He's just gonna gravitate towards you, Natalie, because your energy is good, where he's gonna probably gonna run and run a mile from me, do you know what I mean? Yeah. So. so I, I love that. I do love the phrase, when you're morning, when you're day. I say it all mm -hmm. the time now. It's like, you should get t-shirts made with that, I don't think. I've, I've actually got a mate. Um, <laughs> He's 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 a scouser and he's 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 rambling and he's doing them in. I can't remember where it is. I can't remember where it is, but he's he means he's got getting going all over, yeah, all over the country. A great so fella. do you think that's like obviously what works for you, what works for everyone, and obviously people's routines it's are different and stuff like that. But yeah, it's about giving yourself yeah, a bit of time for you to do what you need to do in the morning. And I mean, set structure, up with structure it. and routine, especially for people who suffer mentally, is absolutely massive. Yeah. Because so many people just feel lost. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, that that's the problem. It's not, not about having, like, this spe specific goal or, you know, they just feel lost in general. The minute you start to add, like, routine and a structure to the day, you start to feel a sense of purpose anyway. And, and for me, the biggest purpose what you can have, you know, is to work and become the best version. I know it sounds cliche and you're flying around a lot lately, but it's to become the best version of you. Because you're the foundation for whatever you want to do as a as a father, as a husband, as a businessman, you know whatever you want to do, it all you're the foundation for everything. Do you know what I mean? So it's like, you know, I I, I use like um, there's four I say it's four pillars. So the four pillars for my life is obviously me start with me, and that's my development, becoming a better person, being you know being a good human being, studying, exercise, physical, mental. You know, that's it's me so like i won't put percentages on it but just if you're going to say you know that that's one pillar 25 percent again that i'm not being accurate with the percentages mm. but you know we said 25 percent of it yeah. that's me that's i've got to work on myself every day 
there's got to be progression I've got to be learning I've got to be becoming a better you know a better version of me every single day I want to be working on that the second is obviously my family and my wife and my kids that's like my second pillar so to say and like you know I've got to put give them all the time and energy and everything what I need then I've got obviously business and work we all need money people who say money doesn't matter it's a load of shit yeah. you know what I mean anyone who goes money that you know money fucking doesn't mean sorry money doesn't make you happy money definitely doesn't make you happy yeah do you know what I mean? But it fucking definitely helps <laughs> if 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 your intentions are good. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? If you want to do things for people around you, if you want to be able to say, I couldn't open a week, I wouldn't be able to take a day off school, off work, sorry, yeah. on a Thursday to go to schools if I weren't financially in a position to do so. So money is very, very, very important, but it's far from everything. Mm. And then obviously I've got me service to other people and they're the, for me, they make me feel complete and make me happy. I've got myself, I'm constantly improving. I'm constantly learning, trying to be a better person in every way, learning about who I actually am, you know, discovering who I am, self-awareness, physical fitness, learning. It's like just progressing in every way possible as a human, myself, personally, for me, nothing. You know, everyone around me gets the benefits of it, but it's for me. Then I've obviously got, I want to be the best dad I can be and the best husband I can be. So it's like, obviously, I've, that, that's, that's fucking really important for me. Then I believe I've got to earn money and I've got to be successful in business. No, and then I've got my service to others, the stuff I do in the kids, the stuff I do in a week. Then four things for me, they make me feel complete and, and they're why I'm so happy because I feel like and it's never perfect now and again. My missus might be angry at me because she's not getting all the energy, <laughs> love and attention more. Yeah. She should be getting, maybe my kids aren't sometimes. Yeah. Maybe I'm putting too much time into myself. Maybe I'm spending too much time on work. It's a constant balance on that. Like you, you never get it. You never get it perfect. There's always something, mm. something's out, but I'm always doing my best to try and put it where it needs to be. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But with energy, again, it's, it's just putting your energy and your love into into all of it. You know, it, I'm not saying, like I was saying before, it doesn't have to be 25% of that. 25% of that. Yeah. Just know, whatever needs to be. Yeah, you know, you feel it. And, yeah. and you know, I know my missus is angry at me. Maybe she's not getting enough attention. Yeah. If, or maybe I'm not having a great relationship with my kids. Yeah. You know, my lad might be carrying on and being a bit naughty, and my daughter might be trying to get attention off me, so they'd be naughty, and it's like, yeah. I need to not tell them off, I need to put a bit more, give them a bit more time, because they're carrying on, because I'm not pleasant enough when I'm with yeah. them, or you know, maybe if you're using the phone too much, or, you know I mean? like I said, it's a constant balancing act, but I'm aware of it, and that's the key. I'm aware of it, and, and if I see there's a, you know, work's not going well, I'm like, well, that, 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 again, that's karma. I'm not putting enough into work, and that's why it's going shit. Things can happen that are out of your control, yeah. but in general, you'll find, you know, if, if something's not going right, it's you're not putting enough energy and enough enough love, basically, into whatever it is, which isn't going well. Awesome. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that, we, 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 we've come to the end of our time, but I do want to plug, not plug, that's probably the wrong word, but I do want to let everyone know about, because... About a week, especially, um, because it, I mean, anywhere in Liverpool that you are, I would go and visit a week. It's you have classes on every day, don't you? Yeah, pretty this, much. This, uh, um, go and do one of the high frequency classes. Uh, the first one will ruin your life a little bit, <laughs> but you come at like halfway through. You the first because it's twenty minutes of hit, twenty minutes of yoga, twenty odd minutes of yoga in it, yeah. and then like a meditation at the end of it in the hot room. 
and I did the first one with you, didn't I? And yeah. I was like, I'm going yeah. boxing after this, and you went, you're not. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, I'd rather lie down for half an hour. And then he passed out down. doing the yoga. And I was yeah. like, my head was going, oh god. Um, it, it, it's 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 hard going, but you feel so good after it. You come out and have That's a coffee. That's what it's designed for. It's it's three, three key incredible. aspects of basically making you feel good and making you healthy, which is meditation, mental fitness, if you want to call it. Yeah, physical fitness, which is exercise, and yoga, which is the two of them combined together. Yeah. So it's like the idea behind creating that session was to make people feel good. And the reason we do them early in the morning is when you're morning, when you're day. Yeah. So it's like, you know, you can go and get these three key aspects of making you feel good and making you be be at your best. If you can go and get them out the way before yeah. your kids have got out of bed in the morning and you're fucking absolutely smashing it. You know yeah, I mean? it's a, them 6am, it's mad because you get, they're so busy as well. Mm. And you get there and you're like, you are on the way thinking, what the fuck am I doing here? Yeah, <laughs> like and you float out of there. Yeah, you float out of there. Because I was honestly thinking, because I'm a napper, mate. I love a nap in the mm. afternoon. I've always done it since I'm my, my eldest. I've never used to. And then once I started napping with him in the afternoon, I've just become a napper. And then that, one of the first days, and as long as I can remember, I haven't hit that little slump in the afternoon. Yeah. And I was thinking, I'm going to need a nap about 11 o'clock today. Yeah. And it's just never come round. I just felt great all day. Yeah. It was floating around all we day. We used to have them when we were going to the beach. We were yeah. on the beach in the morning and you just felt charged all day. Mm. Like We were on the beach. We were up at half four. We had to be at the beach for, I think it was about five o'clock. And like, it was a five, five, half five, something yeah. like that. And uh, you just feel energised all day. You wouldn't, you wouldn't get tired. Yeah, you just feel charged. Yeah, so. it's just yeah the energy of everyone and everyone comes out bouncing. But the, but the kids is you know we run a full three kids timetable. Is yeah. like I think there's about nine classes a week. If you go on the Instagram and check it out, you see when they are. Get the kids in because like I said, it's just like to teach kids mindfulness, you know, meditation, all these things. While they have learned later on in life, if you can, if kids that can become part of a kid's routine. Yeah. You know, then they've got that for the rest of their life. It's a massive head start for them. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Boss. And yeah, um, I want to also let people know what to come together 2020 Christmas Day. Yeah, so a, f- a good friend of mine, um, Chris Brown, he's, he runs Holiday Hunger. So basically, he feeds right through the year, half term, six weeks old. He's between six and seven hundred kids a day who survive off school meals, believe it or not. So in Liverpool, these kids who survive off school meals and my they go man. hungry when they're off school, so um, massive uh, credit to Chris. He's, yeah. he's like basically created the business now. Started in a, in a cafe, feeding sixteen a day. To like now he's feeding six, seven hundred a day in half term, six weeks old. He's but it's run through 15, 14, 15 community centres spread around Liverpool. So last year we couldn't do it, or we can't do it at Christmas because all the community centres shut for Christmas. So. The pro the project what Chris runs Holiday Hunger's done through the community centre. So last year we done a toy appeal, and we got like twenty two thousand pounds in donations. We got over three thousand toys, a couple of grand's worth of gift vouchers, and we just shared them out between the community centres. But the women who work in the community centres are from the community, and obviously know who needs it. Yeah. So literally every selection box, every pound what we get goes on gas electricity cards, goes on toys, um, gift vouchers for teenagers. But it will land with the people who really need it. So it's like we're, we're doing it again this year. Obviously, we're promoting it through the social media. Massive thank you to John, John May, uh, John May, yeah, for, yeah. for getting involved with us and Steve, Tim, and Ethan as yeah. well who filmed it all. Yeah, they're volunteering and doing this to help us out. So yeah, 
Again, massive uh, thank you to them. But yeah, keep keep your eye out on that. John, yeah, uh, this, that the first episode being on set. The next one releases on Friday. Yeah, I think there's some handsome ginger fella features in one of them, doesn't yeah, he? I, I think I might have uh, popped up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, basically that's what it is. The, the cutoff point is the 18th of December. So yeah. we're just trying to collect everything, you know, as much as we can. And yeah. we've had loads of donations already. So how do people donate? It's on Derby Lane, isn't it? It's on. The, I've got a unit on Derby Lane, yeah. which is. Um, my me, me mum's been in there seven days a week. I see. It's so far, yeah, yeah. She, she's just given us a hand and just, just making, we've had a lot of Amazon parcels and stuff like that coming, so we needed some someone there and obviously with the lockdown, we, we, we couldn't, um, a lot, and all the shops being shut, Yeah, we kind of needed somewhere where people can who, by doing the shopping online can send gifts and stuff like yeah. that, so, but she's there up until the 18th, pretty much every day, just keeping busy and yeah, uh, and yeah we, it's pretty much... Yeah. I'd say half full, but then I've still got loads of collections and stuff to do. They're just giving, doing well. We've got loads of cash donations, and, and we'll, the cut-off's the 18th, the 21st, we'll, uh, we'll get out in the van then and just literally deliver everything and spread it across the 15 community centres. The women in there who are amazing, they'll just share them out between the people who Gosh. need it. So do, um, get on so, that. It's a at Come Together Christmas on 2020, 2020 on Instagram. Mm. If you can donate, that would be amazing. Any toys or anything like that, yeah. just uh, yeah, get involved and do that. And share the stuff about as well, just to let everyone else mm. know. Um, and yeah, just uh, give Mark a follow at Mark's channel because he's an inspirational guy. Thank you so much for coming in. And uh, I hope, yeah, nice one, I, hope, uh, I hope some people listen to this and, and it helps some people out. Yeah. yeah, that's why I wanted to get you on because you helped me, and I think you're, uh, as I said, an inspirational guy. Yeah, so thank, thank you, you so very much for coming down. Um, I hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you have, uh, give us a like and a subscribe and share it about. And uh, yeah, we'll see you all next time.